Well, it was a gritty performance for Tennessee basketball, getting the win over arch-rival Florida, 78-71. We're going to recap that. Josh Heupel, some more stats to blow your mind about his offense. Trey Smith, named to the all-rookie team. And a VFL continues to make headway on the Hall of Fame ballot. All that and more here on a Thursday, Locked on Vols. You are Locked on Vols, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everybody, welcome into a Thursday edition of Locked On Balls. Glad to have you guys along for the ride. I am your host, Eric Kane. At underscore Kaner on Twitter, at Locked On Balls is where you can find this podcast every single morning when you wake up. It's available for your listening pleasures wherever you get your podcasts. And oh yeah, it's on YouTube every single morning, premiering at 9 a.m., but of course it's there. Uh, please go and subscribe and uh, follow the show. It will help out the show's growth and content. I really do, really do appreciate that. So like we said in the cold open, a lot to get into today. Let's go ahead and get into it. I uh, do want to mention off the top of the show, we will have two guests on tomorrow's show. One guest talking about Trey Smith and the National Football League and a guest coming on to talk about the Lady Vols. So looking forward to that. But 78-71, that was the final score for Tennessee in a win over Florida. And it was pretty much all Florida there for the first ha- half. 42-34 to 34, uh, was the score there uh, heading into the halftime break. Florida went on a 15-0 run where it got a 13-point advantage. That came somewhere around the, the midway mark of the first half. But uh, two straight threes from... Uh, what was it? Uh, Zakiya Ziegler, and then a, and then a three from Kennedy Chandler, really kind of turned the tide and brought Tennessee back within striking distance to four to five points, and then Tennessee was able to you know even it up and then fell back again and ultimately trailed you know by eight at the halftime break. But then you had the the leadership from uh, the, uh, the 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 older guys and Santiago Vescovi, Josiah Jordan James made some plays. I thought John Fulgerson really stepped up well uh, in the second half of play, and then finally it was just a seventy-eight to seventy-one score. Uh, for a Florida team that I thought I thought this was a just an awful awful officiated uh, basketball game and <laughs> TV Pat right uh, you know Pat, Pat Adams is on the call so no surprise that this game was so bad officiating um, there were bad calls both ways but I got to tell you old uh, old Mike White he was all over Pat Adams and as he should have been there were some calls that went against Florida in this game. Just inexcusable. Two-point game there with about four minutes left in this basketball game. I forgot who it was, but somebody goes up for a three at the top of the key. Or maybe might have been just kind of the shoulder of the three. And Josiah Jordan James jumps up and just tackles him. Tackles him. That should be a foul. He's shooting three points. No call. Tennessee gets a bucket in transition to make it a four-point game. So just stuff like that. Um, you know, typically, you know, two cares, right? But gosh, Florida had a gripe for some getting some horrible, horrible calls. But nonetheless... Tennessee did what it needed to do, and it closed out in a big way. Tennessee shot 45% from the field in this one, uh, 46% from three-point range, 11-24. Now, that's that 24 is kind of the sweet spot right there, right? You got 11, 11 out of 24, shooting anywhere from 21 to 23, you know, three-pointers in the game. You don't really want to go over 25. That's excessive, but Tennessee knocked down a bunch and uh, some timely threes as well that kept them in this basketball game. And then free throws. It's funny. I was uh, texting with Brandon Olson, who joined our show yesterday from Locked On Gators, and he and I both were talking about how bad of a matchup this is for, uh, you know, in terms of free throw shooting, because Florida atrocious at free throw shooting. Tennessee atrocious at 68% on the season. These two teams combined to go 26 of 27 from the charity stripe. 
Florida was a perfect 9-for-9. Nine nine. Tennessee was 17 of 18. So both teams took care of business at the charity shot, which I thought was hilarious. But um, at the end of the day, no call Colin Castleton for Florida. That was a ginormous loss. Florida played its third game in five days and came out with so much energy. I mean, that, that's what speaks to the rivalry, the, the volume of this rivalry, right? I mean, I came in talking with Brandon, talking on the starting line on Monday mo- or, uh, Wednesday morning. I just kind of said, hey, this has the makings to be a Tennessee blowout. So it probably won't be, right? Florida is dead tired. It got its butt handed to him on the road at Ole Miss on Monday night. Shot horrifically from three-point range. Didn't do much better tonight. It was 10 of 33. Um, still made 10, though, but still. And I just thought that, you know, tired, tired legs, you know, game planning. I heard on the broadcast, Tom Hart said, or it was Jimmy Docks, I think. Jimmy Docks said that, you know, when you, you game plan for a game, that takes three days. And these Florida coaches, the Mike White and his coaching staff, have had a game plan for three games in five days. So I just thought, because of all that going into it, no Colin Castleton at home, I just thought Tennessee was going to run away with this one. But it's a rivalry game. What that means is it doesn't matter who, what, when, where, injury status, you know, all that and more. You know, it, it's going to be a close game a lot of times. And that's what tonight was. But, oh my gosh. Appleby was incredible in this basketball game. Finished with 16 points, 4 of 10 shooting. All four of his made baskets were from three, four of eight from uh, from long range, four of four. Had seven assists. Um, you know, had timely baskets for Florida to, to, to put him ahead or keep him in the game or stop a run from Tennessee. I thought Appleby, who started his first game in his last four games, you know, started for the first time in the past four games to, uh, last night, uh, got back in that starting lineup, and I thought played a really, really nice uh, ball game. Jones, 4-9 shooting uh, from the field. He was the uh, other player that got, or there were two of four players that got in double figures for Florida. 16 points for Durugi, uh 6 of 10 shooting. Then, of course, Fleming Jr. had 11 points. But going back over to Tennessee, 17 for Chandler, 23 from Vescovy, who made 6 of 10 shooting from the field, 5 of 8 from three-point range, 6 of 6 from the charity stripe. This is what I like. That was Vescovy, 6 of 6 from the charity stripe. Kennedy Chandler, who's shooting 60% from free throw line in SEC play, 6 of 6 from the free throw line. He finished with 17 points, 5 of 3 shooting, only took three three-pointers. Zakai Ziegler, 11 points, 4 of 7 shooting, 3 of 5 from three-point range, two of which were big back-to-back three-pointers in the first half that erased a 13-point uh, lead in a 15-0 run from Florida. So you like what you saw kind of up and down the up and down the uh, the scorecard here. And, and again, I like what I saw from Josiah Jordan James. Didn't shoot incredibly well, made one of five from three, three of eight overall, but scored nine points, two of two from the free throw line, had nine rebounds, led the team in rebounding again, had four assists. He continues to do just a little bit of everything. And then John Fulkerson, nine points, two rebounds, plus, let's see here. Let's go to the plus minus um on the uh, on the score sheet. Fulkerson was Plus eight when he was on the court. Justin Powell played 22 minutes, was plus 17 when he was on the court. And Brandon Huntley Hatfield was minus 10. He was minus 15 at one point in time uh, late in the second half. But Brandon Brandon Huntley Hatfield, who played four minutes, was minus 10 in this basketball game. I just think that he needs to continue to get reps and reps and reps. He's clearly not ready for a consistent play at this level. But the talent's there. doesn't mean he won't be, but it's just kind of early on in his career. So... Nonetheless, Tennessee got a much-needed win for the Volunteers at a point in time where, in the first half, I mean, it was really, it, it was looking really, really bleak. L- listen to this. During that run for Florida in the first half, I tweeted it out at Locked On Vols on Twitter. Current trends, not great. 
Florida on a 15-0 run over the last four minutes and 31 seconds. Florida on an 18-2 run over the last five minutes and 47 seconds. Florida had made four of the last five field goals. Tennessee, eight turnovers in the last five minutes and 33 seconds. Tennessee had a scoring drought at the time of five minutes and 33 seconds. Again, that was during the 15-0 run for Florida in the first half. But Tennessee responded. Tennessee rebounded and came through in a big way. Again, a monster game from Vescovy, who's been the best player for Tennessee all season long. Kennedy Chandler stepped up when Tennessee needed him to, played like an NBA first-round pick. And then I like what you got from Josiah Jordan-James, and I like what you got from John Fulkerson um, off the bench. So a couple people were, uh, were wondering about Plofsic. Where was Plofsic? Well, it wasn't really a game for him. You know, kind of fast-moving, only played nine minutes, didn't have any points, only had one board. Uh, he had a, a technical as well, two fouls. And, of course, of course, Santiago Vescovi and, and Urus Plopsic had a technical in this one. But at the end of the day, Tennessee has won their third straight over Florida, 78-71 the final score inside TBA. And now it is the Big Big 12 SEC Challenge when Tennessee travels to Austin on Saturday to take on the uh, Texas Longhorns. So, uh, good win for Tennessee, and they'll get ready for some more action over the weekend. We will talk Josh Heupel's offense, another cool graphic the Vault Football put out uh, late last night I want to discuss and uh, note on Trey Smith when we return. But I want to tell you about NetSuite first. This is it. It's the putt to win the championship, putt to win the tournament, and if you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets or outdated financing software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade, and you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility, control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budgeting, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of survey businesses have increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 28,000 businesses already use NetSuite, and for the new year, NetSuite has a new financing program for those ready to upgrade. That's at netsuite.com slash locked. Head on over to netsuite.com slash locked for the special one-of-a-kind financing offer on the number one financial system for growing businesses. This is at netsuite.com slash locked. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Segment two of a Thursday show here on Locked On Vols. I'm Eric Kane. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, making Locked On Vols your first listen on YouTube now. Subscribe to YouTube, search Locked On Vols. Premieres every single morning at 9 a.m. And of course, you can go back and watch it any time of the day. So I appreciate your support on the brand new YouTube channel. Again, those numbers, those descriptions were already over 200 or close to it at least. And it didn't take us you know, much at all. The goal was 1,000. We need to get to 1,000 as soon as we can. So if you haven't already, please go ahead and do that. Thank you so much uh, to those who uh, already have. All right. Vol football, you know, really the entire season, but since the season's been over, they've been going through the stat books and going through the record books and everything and just, you know, putting out all these incredible offensive stats for Josh Heupel and what he's accomplished this year. Uh, Tennessee football at Vol underscore football did it again yesterday. 
And here's what it says. An offensive mastermind. When it comes to putting up points, Hypo means more business. And here's what it is. In, four, in 49 games, about said 14, in 49 games as head coach, Josh Heupel teams have scored 30 points 42 times. number of those came this year. Scored 40 points 27 times. Scored 50 points 13 times. Put up 400 yards of total offense 44 times. Put up 500 yards of total offense 24 times. And put up 600 yards of total offense 14 times. That is getting it done. That, that, that is not, not bad. Again, let's go over this again. This is the points. Scored 30 points or more 42 times. Scored 40 points or more 27 times. Scored 50 points or more 13 times. Okay? The, the total yardage. Put up 400 yards or more of total offense 44 times. So in the 49 games as head coach, Josh Heupel has accounted for at least 400 yards of total offense in all but five. Not, not bad. Put up 500 yards of total offense 24 times. Put up 600 yards of total offense 14 times. A couple of those came this year as well. So, again, we knew this coming in. Josh Heupel likes to run fast. Josh Heupel likes to score points. And he likes to do it in a hurry. The question was, will it translate over to the SEC? Well, year one it did. We'll have to see how the rest of the league catches up to Josh Heupel in this scheme um, as his tenure in Tennessee continues on. But those are some pretty... Pretty cool stats right there I wanted to read. All right, uh, Trey Smith note I wanted to read off here. Trey Smith has made the all-rookie team. He's one of three Kansas City Chiefs who have made the all-rookie team, joining center Creed Humphrey and linebacker Nick Bolton. Of course, Nick Bolton was, I believe, a second-round selection, picked number number 58 overall out of Missouri. We know Nick Bolton very, very well. He was a, a tackle machine against Tennessee the last couple of years. But the two rookie offensive linemen, two of the three that start for Kansas City, but two rookie offensive linemen for Kansas City made the all-rookie team in the NFL. This is like the all-pro team, but of course, just for rookies. Uh, so Creed Humphrey, the center, and guard Trey Smith made this list. Put some notes here. All right, so for, for Trey Smith, pro football focus was very impressed with Trey Smith this year. Graded him as the number 11 overall guard in the National Football League. Okay, keep that in mind. You start two guards on every single team. Every single offensive line has two guards to start. In the entire NFL of 32 National Football League teams, that's 64 starting guards. Trey Smith was graded at number 11 overall, and of course many more play guard, not just the starters, and he was the top rookie. Those are some players that at least qualify playing at least 1,000 snaps. So that is not bad. The, the nugget I dropped on you yesterday was uh, Trey Smith has played more snaps in the NFL compared to any other offensive lineman. So not more than just rookies, not more than just guards, but Trey Smith has logged more snaps this year than any other offensive lineman in the National Football League. That's not bad. And remember, Kansas City got Smith in the sixth round at number 226 overall. So for a guy, and I said this the other day, for a guy that had health concerns that was kept off the field because of some health issues that were outside of his control, the reason he slid so far down in the draft, for the guy to log more snaps than any offensive lineman in the National Football League this past season, that 
is truly remarkable. So congratulations to Trey Smith. That's quite the accomplishment. Humphrey, the center that plays next to him, um, according to Pro Football Focus, Humphrey was the top center in the NFL this year and the fifth best offensive lineman overall. So it's not just Trey Smith. It's that offensive line with Creed Humphrey and the other uh, rookie that starts in that offensive line. It's, it's why you're successful, right? You get young players, throw them in the fire, develop them, and keep them locked up for years to come. You're seeing Kansas City has been doing that for years. It's a good organization. There's a reason why it's playing for another berth in a Super Bowl, and that's coming up this weekend against uh, Cincinnati. Really, really looking forward to seeing Trey Smith and the Chiefs in action. The rest of that all-rookie team in the National Football League, of course, this is from the Pro Football Riders Association. The 2021 Rookie of the Year was Micah Parsons of the Dallas Cowboys, the linebacker. Offensive Rookie of the Year was Jamar Chase of the Bengals, the wideouts. And, of course, Defensive Rookie of the Year was Parsons, the linebacker from the Cowboys. The all-rookie offensive team. Quarterback was Mac Jones of the Patriots. Running back was Najee Harris of the Steelers. Hey, those two guys played together in college. Jamar Chase of the Bengals at wideouts. Yeah, this is dumb. They only give you one wideout for this team. That, 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 is, that is stupid. But that one wideout is Jamar Chase. Kyle Pitts is the tight end. Creed Humphrey's the center. Trey Smith's the guard. Rashawn Slater's the tackle. Maybe, uh, I guess, maybe they don't qualify because there's not two guards, there's not two tackles. I, I don't know. Um, this is kind of weird. I've never paid attention to all rookie teams before because, quite frankly, I haven't cared. But want to recognize Trey Smith when it deserves it. Defensively, on the defensive line, Christian Barmore of the Patriots, um, Owen of the Baltimore Ravens, Pay of the Indianapolis Colts, Phillips of the Miami Dolphins, that's on the defensive line, linebackers Nick Bolton of the Chiefs, uh, Jeremiah Osawa Komamura of the Browns, and of course Michael Parsons at linebacker for the Cowboys. Greg Newsom at cornerback of the Browns. Patrick Sertan, the second. We know him of the Broncos. And then special teams, Evan McPherson. All you Titans fans out there, screw this guy, right? He's the one that booted it through to down Tennessee in the divisional round. He's your all rookie kicker. Uh, Presley Harvin's the punter for the Steelers. And, um, Demetric Felton is the returner from the Browns. So, in case you were wondering, that's what the rest of the all-rookie team looks like in the National Football League. But Trey Smith, again, graded as the number 11 overall guard in the National Football League and the top rookie at that position, coming from pick number 226. So, job well done for Trey Smith. Okay, we will talk about a VFL that is continuing to climb the Hall of Fame ranks. And if you will allow me, I'm going to go on a little bit of a mini rant about why I believe the Baseball Writers Association are the stupidest group of human beings on God's green earth. All right, that's what you have to look forward to. I know this is locked on balls. I will tie in. There's a ball that ties into all this. So that's how I'm going to justify it when we talk a little baseball uh, here when we return. But first, it's Bet Online. We'd like to wish you a happy new year of betting as we continue our march throughout the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action in 2022. New year, new updated desktop and mobile website. So sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use that promo code locked on. To get started, from football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Las Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all these amazing offers available for the 2022 year. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, it is where the game starts. And you guys know about this by now, but if not, I'm going to remind you and encourage you to go ahead and download it. It is the GetUpside app, okay? My listeners right now are earning cash back for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. All they do is download the GetUpside app in the App Store and Google Play. 
Use promo code SCORE for $0.25 per gallon or more on your first fill-up. Cash back. Don't pay full price of the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use that promo code SCORE for $0.25 per gallon or more on your first tank. Some people who drive a whole lot are making as much as two to $300 a year in cash back, and there's no catch. No catch whatsoever. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out at any time by using your bank account, PayPal, uh, e-gift card, Amazon, and a couple of other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use that promo code SCORE for $0.25 per gallon or more cash back on your first tank. That is promo code SCORE at GetUpside. All right, we got one more segment left here on a Thursday show. Been fun talking a little Tennessee Hoots win over Florida, uh, breaking down a graphic detail on the success of Josh Heupel as a head coach uh, at this level and how we continued in year one here at Tennessee and a little bit of Trey Smith as he's been named to the all-rookie team in the NFL. But now let's talk about a VFL that has continued to make headway on the uh, the Hall of Fame ballot and, and, of course, Major League Baseball. Of course, by now you know I'm talking about Todd Helton. Todd Helton. Um, a Knoxville guy, a Tennessee guy, and a 17-year Major League Baseball veteran, all for the Colorado Rockies. The first player, first first baseman in franchise history uh, to get his uh, jersey retired. He had an outstanding outstanding career. Career numbers of a 316 batting average. Uh, He scored over 1,400 runs, drove in over 1,400 runs as well. He had an OBP of 414, slugging of 539, OPS of 953, OPS plus of 133. He he did it all, right? I know I'm just spouting out numbers to you right now, but here's just some tangibles. A three-time gold glover, four-time silver slugger, which means a silver slugger is you are the best hitting player at your position in all of baseball. So three-time gold glover, four-time silver slugger, and he was a five-time All-Star. And he won the batting title back in the year 2000. So... Todd Helton, of course, David Ortiz is the lone member of this class of 2022 for the Baseball Hall of Fame, getting into the Hall, showing up on 77.9% of ballots in his first year. You just need 75% uh, to go to Cooperstown. Todd Helton, this is his fourth year on the ballot, and he appeared on 52% of the ballots. Now, you're probably thinking, wow, he's still got a long way to go. Well, here's how it works. Here's how it works if you want to get into the Pro Baseball Hall of Fame. The Baseball Writers Association of America, there are not many people I I can't stand more. Urban Meyer's up there, Rob Manfred's up there, and then we've got the members of this association. I'm not trying to say Todd Helton does not deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Okay, I'm not saying that. Might be. Do I think he'll eventually get in the Hall of Fame? We'll see. I think it'll be close. <clears throat> Excuse me, but if you're a Hall of Famer, you're a Hall of Famer. I don't care if it's the first ballot. I don't care if it's the tenth ballot. If you're a Hall of Famer, put him in the Hall of Fame. I can't stand writers who say, "Oh, he's a Hall of Famer," but let's wait till year six or seven. That's when he deserves to get in, right? That's when this player deserves to get. Who gives a shit? You're still in the hall. You still have your plaque made. You still get up and give your your speech to all those adoring fans that come and see you. Nothing changes. Just the matter if you are first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, or tenth. If you fail to reach the 75 percentile of votes on the ballots on your tenth year, you fall off the ballot. Now you can still get in later on in your career uh, by another association, but that that comes later on. Most notably, the steroid plagued stars. 
finished off off their ballot this year. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Sammy Sosa, Kurt Schilling. Of course, Kurt Schilling is kept out of the hall because of things he said. Not defending, not saying anything about that. That's that's for another day, but because of things he said. That's another thing. The baseball riders, if they don't like you, you're not getting in. It's complete crap. It is complete crap. So I'm not trying to sit up here and say that Barry Bonds or anybody deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I think if you guys listen to me on the radio, I express it there. But in short, absolutely they deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Acknowledge they cheated the game. Acknowledge that they are a part of the steroid era. But per the mission statements, per the mission statement of the Hall of Fame, it is the right to preserve the game and tell the story of the game of baseball. How in the world can you talk about baseball without mentioning Pete Rose? who's held out of the Hall of Fame, Barry Bonds, who's held out of the Hall of Fame, Roger Clemens, Sammy Sosa. How can you tell the story, Mark McGuire, about the game of baseball in the mid to late 90s without talking about those players? Pete Rose is another story, but I just threw him in there. How do you how do you do that? So I'm not sitting here saying that Barry Bonds, all these players should be. I'm not trying to advocate that. I'm just trying to say it's stupid that if you're not liked, you're not getting in the Hall of Fame. If you say something that is politically incorrect, if you say something that goes against the norm, if you say something any that is that is controversial into a microphone or in a podcast or on a tweet, you're canceled, you're done, you're not getting in. That was the case for Kurt Schilling. And I'm not trying to back anything he said. I'm just saying he's not in the Hall of Fame because he's not liked. Okay, Barry Bonds is not in the Hall of Fame because he's not liked. David Ortiz showed up on one, one report... One report that was that was uh, that was published in like 06, talking about Bonds back in 01 with over 100 other players that said that he tested positive for performance enhancing drugs had no merit to it. It was never proven. Plus, the rules changed from then. At the time, if he did, it's because he was probably taking a substance that was given to him by a trainer that was later outlawed. But it was never proven. It had no merit to it, and he'd been tested continuously after that, and never failed. That's what Rob Manfred said uh, at his, uh, you know, yesterday when he got inducted. So, or not, he's not inducted yet, but when he got the votes. So, but David Ortiz is liked. I like David Ortiz. I bet you like David Ortiz. He's in the Hall of Fame because he's liked. But he also was linked to PEDs one time. My point is, all these players should be in, should be in Cooperstown because they tell the story of the game of baseball. But for Todd Helton, let's bring it back here to Todd Helton. Will Todd Helton get in the in the uh, in in baseball's Hall of Fame? I don't know. He's at fifty three percent right now. When he went on the ballot his first year in twenty nineteen, he was at sixteen point five percent. In twenty twenty, he was at twenty nine point two percent. At twenty twenty one, he was at forty four point nine percent. And just this uh, this week alone, his fourth year on the ballot. <clears throat> 52%. So you like his chances as he continues to climb. Will he get to 75? He's on pace to. But my point is, if you if, if Todd Helton is a Hall of Famer, he's a Hall of Famer. Put him in now. I can't stand Mark Burley and Jeff Kent. Mark Burley and Jeff Kent. A lot of you guys might be baseball fans. You're saying, who are those guys? Great ball players. Hall of Famers, no. But... Peter Gomez literally went on MLB Network and said, or Jeff Passing. Jeff Passing literally went on MLB Network the other day and said, Do I think Mark Burley is a Hall of Famer? No, but I think he deserves to be on the ballot for seven or eight years. So that's why I'm voting for him. That is the stupidest, the stupidest thing I think anyone's ever said in their life. Getting a little worked up here. As you guys can see, I'm a baseball guy too. If Todd Helton, the VFL, the Knoxville native from Central High School, if he's a Hall of Famer, if he's going to be in Cooperstown, why wait till year 9 or 10? Why? Put him in now. If he's not going to be a Hall of Famer, okay, sure. But I hate the argument of saying, well, we'll have to see. Maybe eight, year 8 or 9, 
we'll cross that bridge when we get there, but not now. He's not worthy of that. Stupidest argument in the world. So, <clears throat> one more time. Todd Helton, 52% is where he's at right now. 2019, he came from 16.5 to 29.2 in 2020, 44.9% in 2021 to 52%. He's on the right track. He is a good ball player, and we will see if he ultimately ends up in Cooperstown, which has turned into the hall of very, very good players, also who were very, very liked by the idiots from the Baseball Writers Association. Okay, my rant is over. I told you I had a ball tie-in. If you stayed till the end, congratulations. You got to see me get red in the face and all worked up. So it is what it is. But hey, Thursday show's in the book. Appreciate you guys for hanging out. We'll have two guests on the show tomorrow. That's the plan for right now to talk some more Trey Smith and to talk about the Lady Vols. As always, thanks for making Locked On Vols your first listen. Now check out Locked On Bet, your one-stop shop for all your sports wagering needs with your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. That is Locked On Bets. Make that your second listen. Guys, thank you so much as always. Please subscribe and please watch a little bit. Give me those views. Give me those numbers on the YouTube page. Just search at Lo- or just search Locked On Balls on YouTube and you will find it. Appreciate you guys for doing that. And always, always for making Locked On Balls your first listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, wherever you get your podcasts. Guys, really, really do appreciate it. And we will do it again tomorrow. Until then, enjoy the rest of your Thursday, everybody. 